zone. You can't go. All the plants are gonna die. I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media. Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil. Don't touch it. The name's Pliskin. No more hangers. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be discussing Nice Dreams, released June 5th, 1981. It was written by Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin, directed by Chong, and released by Columbia Pictures. T.J. Miller was born the day before this, Happy 40th to TJ. I hope you're doing better than the last I heard. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I haven't checked in. After the successes of Up in Smoke and Next Movie, Cheech and Chong teamed up with their producing partner Howard Brown and rushed right into a third film with working titles Riding High, Cheech and Chong's Riding High, and Cheech and Chong's 3, which I actually think would be the best title. Cheech and mm-hmm. Chong's 3. <laughs> Their production company together was called C.C. Brown, a combination of their three names, but also a reference to C.C. Brown's famous ice cream parlor in Hollywood, which opened in 1929 and closed in 1996, which claimed to have invented the hot fudge sundae, but I drilled into that a bit, and there are at least five other places that were serving them as far back as the 1800s, so that doesn't quite check out. The script for this film was allegedly five pages long. Yeah. That, that, that feels like a check. <laughs> that feels long for this movie. <laughs> Cheech and Chong had found much success randomly casting friends with their last film introducing the world to Pee Wee Herman, Michael Winslow, Rita Wilson, and Cassandra Peterson, and continued the tradition here, though this film only scores Sandra Bernhardt in a tiny role, and then a lot of people who didn't work much after this. Well, Pee-wee's back, though. Yeah, he and is, but there's no. we're not introducing as many people. Well, there's Linnea Quigley. That's true, but she's been in stuff even before this. Yeah. Chong has long been a champion of new talent ever since hosting the first Topless Improv Club in <laughs> Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> the film's release was delayed by a SAG strike, but when you consider that it was released only 11 months after their previous film you get a clear picture of how quickly this project came together. In the brief outline, Cheech and Chong were originally landscapers, but it changed a couple times on the way to being an ice cream truck. I found a few websites from around 2014 announcing the upcoming availability of a hemp-infused ice cream called Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams Relaxation Ice Cream, but the official website is no longer operational and I can't find it available for sale anywhere now. Mm-hmm. I just found websites saying it's about to be available for sale, so I don't know for sure that their weed ice cream was ever a thing. But it was going to be at one point, and it isn't now. There's a couple comments on the IMDb trivia that confused me. One said that a video operator, George Craig Brown, was overheard singing on set and as a result was cast as a character of a country western singer, Waylon Louder, who is apparently served ice cream somewhere in the film, but what? no such characters listed in the cast, nor is a George Craig Brown listed among the video operators of the film. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I missed that whole thing if that, was, if that happened. Okay, I'm not the only person who thinks that there was not a country western singer served ice cream somewhere in this movie. Not that I recall. Okay, good. Then that didn't happen, and IMDb Trivia, what are you talking about? I can't even find any deleted scenes for this movie. I don't know what you're saying. The film is referenced in the title of a Simpsons episode, season 22, episode 16, A Midsummer Nice Dreams, which features the voices of Cheech and Chong, though the plot bears no resemblance to this film's plot. The Simpsons go to a live Cheech and Chong show recording, and Chong quits mid-show, but Homer has their skits memorized and is invited to replace him on tour, and then they tour as Cheech and Chunk. Oh my god. I haven't seen it, and it sounds pretty terrible. This must be way after I stopped watching. Yeah. (laughs) We start the film with an electric guitar lick over the Columbia Pictures logo. It reminded me of the opening score from Big Trouble in Little China. Doesn't uh, Where the Buffalo Roam... 
Kind of, yeah. Also had kind of open that Yeah, way. a little scratchy electric stuff. We see a logo for the C.C. Brown Company, and then we start picture, and we hear Cheech singing the title song, Nice Dreams, on the soundtrack. You're gonna sit this out of out of sight. You'll be laughing all through the night. So get ready for some nice dreams. <laughs> Little girl. <laughs> As a 1939 Chevy Master with the license plate Bad Girl drives past camera, it's followed closely by a 79 Pontiac Grand Prix with the license plate Bad Boy bouncing on its hydraulics, calling to mind the bit from the previous Cheech and Chong film, 1980's Next Movie, wherein Chong provided the manual hydraulics and bounced their van down the street. Behind Bad Boy is a 1952 Chevy Style Line Deluxe, with the license plate Angel, and bringing up the rear of the caravan is a 1949 Chevrolet Advanced Design ice cream truck with a big clown head on a spring towering over the vehicle above a huge roof-mounted PA loudspeaker system. The vehicle would make a reappearance with Cheech and Chong in 1982's It Came From Hollywood. Did it also have the weird smoking clown thing on the head I think of it? it did, yes, because okay. it was literally the same vehicle. Uh, it Came From Hollywood seems to be kind of like a clip show of a movie where they got comedians to record interstitials, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, Cheech and Chong. Um, but I have not seen it, so I don't know what it's all about. The last car here, the clown car, is being driven by Chong with Cheech in the passenger seat, and the license plate says Los Guys. As the car passes camera, we see the words Ice Creams have been painted over in red and now read Nice Dreams on the back of the car. The door to the vehicle's freezer says herbs on it in green, which should probably have an apostrophe if they're trying to be discreet at all, but maybe not. Maybe it's just <laughs> herbs. They pull the truck over on Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica where they intend to meet up with a customer. They're both wearing shirts that say happy herbs, finest quality. Cheech and Chong lean against the truck and improvise a song about saving the whales. I feel like they need to work on their branding here. Yeah, because... Like, are they nice herbs? Are they nice dreams? There's or, a couple no, happy different... No, er, happy herbs or nice dreams, Yeah, right? there's too many different company names on their shirts and truck. The message of the song later advises people to shoot seals while they are saving whales. Shoot the seals. Yeah. Oh, shoot them seals. Do you recall the last time we saw seals murdered? <laughs> oh, boy, what was that I movie? do. I do. It was nothing personal. Nothing personal. That was at the bottom of my list last year. That's true. Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. That's right. With Donald Sutherland. And who else was in that movie? I have no idea. <laughs> Richard, you got anybody else from that movie? I know that there was a third party... Was it Dabney Coleman? Dabney Coleman was the bad guy chasing oh, them right, down. Oh, right, selling them real estate in Alaska, right? That's right. Where they murdered all the seals. Right. The song actually reminds me of Tom Green's early rap career. This is before he even had a show, I think, in Canada, when he was going by the name MC Face. He has a song called Slada You Otta about the cod fishing industry and the benefits of seal clubbing. With the cute brown eyes and the white fur coat And when you kill them in the water, well, they usually float And that's all she wrote, because I'm down like that And when I kill a baby seal, I grab the bat While they play their guitars, a man pulls up and gets out of a limo He slips some cash to his driver, who approaches Cheech, and a purchase is made We cut across the street and crane down to a car full of cops watching the transaction They seem to be in radio contact with the buyers And this was all a setup when Los Guys pull away from the curb, the cops realize their car won't start and they can't pursue. They try to radio a chopper, but they aren't getting through, and then a bird shits on their windshield. Chong worries out loud that their customer was a cop, and Cheech assures him that it's impossible. Hey man, that dude looked kind of straight to be buying dope. Hey man, don't worry about it. I checked him out myself, man. He ain't a cop. I can smell cops a mile away, man. Smell like coffee and donuts. <laughs> they use a calculator to determine their profits and make big plans for their money. Avia in Costa Rica. Chong wants to buy a bunch of guitars, and Cheech wants pina colonics 
obviously mispronouncing pina colada and accidentally requesting a bunch of pineapple enemas. <laughs> As they pull up to a stop sign, a 55 Chevy Bel Air convertible pulls up next to them with two girls in the front seat. They compliment the truck and ask if the guys have big sticks for them. Oh yeah, yeah, we got really big sticks. <laughs> the girls drive off and Cheech and Chong follow as quickly as they can. The truck can barely keep up, but eventually they spot the convertible parked in a residential neighborhood. While Chong checks out the car, Cheech goes and knocks on the door. A big fat shirtless guy answers the door, but he doesn't respond to anything that Cheech is saying and just eventually closes the door and they return to their ice cream truck to drive away. What, what is the joke here? There's no joke, except pretty girls, oh, guy in the way. They Let's are, go. They are weirdly selling long, big sticks of marijuana, though. Yeah. I'm a little confused mm -hmm. about what this product is. Well, those are tie <laughs> sticks. We discussed this with next oh, movie. sorry. I'm uneducated. They're in the very, <laughs> basically thick joints. But they're not. Like, the things that they're actually, like, in these, like, tubes that they have are just, they're like, like, push pops. They're like clumps of marijuana. They're not yeah. wrapped up like no, they're they, joint. Yeah, they don't have to be wrapped up in this case. They're kind of strung up okay. around a stick. Yeah, I, I think it's supposed to be like those old popsicles that were in like toilet paper rolls, essentially. Yeah. Okay. They used to have them as push pops. Marijuana, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we cut to the stairwell of a police station and the undercover cops from earlier bring in the evidence that they bought from Cheech and Chong's truck. One of the two cops who we'll come to know as Noodles, is played by Tim Rosovich. Yeah. And he's wearing a Narconon All-Stars shirt. He's distracted by a prostitute on the way into the building and smashes his crotch on the corner of a wooden gate. We cut inside the sergeant's office where he's watching lesbian pornography on multiple monitors at once and smoking a huge pipe. Sarge is being played by Stacy Keach, who returns as Sergeant Stadenko after his original appearance as the same character and Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke from 1978. He blasts some air freshener in his office to hide the smell of marijuana. Inexplicably, Stadenko has in his office a cardboard cutout of Cheech and Chong carrying a trash can full of gasoline <laughs> from last year's next movie. <laughs> I don't understand why this is here. The undercover cops drop the evidence on Sarge's desk and he checks it out. The first thing he looks at is a push pop full of tie sticks. Sarge advises them to have the sample analyzed before they treat any of it like authentic marijuana. Sarge offers to have the drugs checked himself, and then he tells them to leave his office. What do you want us to do, Sarge? I want you to leave. Leave! leave. Sarge pulls the blinds to his office closed, picks up a tie stick, and loads it into a vaporizer. The only way to catch a doper is when you yourself become a smoker. Surest way to make them bleed is when you bust their ass and steal their weed. For some reason, Sarge blasts a bunch of smoke out the window past a pigeon sitting on his windowsill. We cut to a helicopter's perspective of Cheech and Chong driving down the road. They walk into an enormous beachfront property and we can hear someone playing the keyboard in the house. Now, after going over this movie a couple times and reading other text about the film, I've determined that the man staying here, Ray, is a caretaker of the home, but all three of them are house-sitting for a rock star who is away from the home. Mm -hmm. oh. So that's the situation here. Okay, none of that is apparent in the film. No, I agree that that's not communicated well, but that's the point of what's happening here. Also, this house is uncomfortably close to the water. Right, like it's, like it's probably underwater now. <laughs> I was also confused about Ray being called Ray because he's supposed to be blind. Right. Yeah. And so it, it and, and he plays instruments. So I was like, is he supposed to be Ray Charles? Because he's clearly not. Hey, Ray, what's happening, man? Chong walks in and starts playing his guitar along with Ray while Cheech goes upstairs to water a bunch of marijuana plants. The joke here being that they have a friend who's blind caretaking the place, but that the guy who's not here obviously doesn't know that his house is full of marijuana. But we never really confirm that joke. Like, he doesn't come back and say, hey, what are you guys doing? We never yeah. see the guy yeah, who yeah. lives here. Cheech is now wearing a normal shirt, by which I mean that it says normal on it. I love this shirt. Yeah, you like the design I, of this I shirt. I was just like, oh, my God, this shirt is so, like, I just love the typography on this shirt. And, yeah. like, normal is spelled... N-O-R-M-L. Yeah, so it, it doesn't have the A in it. But, like, I was like, this shirt is amazing. I love it. And then I Googled it, and I'm like, oh, this is an actual 
organization. Right. It stands for the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. And you can buy this exact shirt and through I their gift shop. And I just might. <laughs> yeah. I sent you the link to it. I don't know if you saw that. But uh, with the same typography, it's yeah. available for sale now. The helicopter is now on the ocean side of the house taking pictures of Cheech and Chong through the windows as he sniffs marijuana plants upstairs. In Ray's kitchen, it's not Ray's kitchen, it's whoever owns this house's kitchen, Chong is rolling a joint and Cheech pours both of them some wine. Cheech offers to cook up some tortillas and frisbees them directly onto the stovetop burners. He tries to feed a burnt tortilla to Ray, but Chong takes it off his plate because that's messed up. Watch out, Tom. He's gonna go oh, to man, us. don't feed him that shit, man. Don't yeah, man, that's good, man. The burning tortillas set off the smoke alarm in the house. <laughs> I like, though, that he tries to... He's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna make them into pizzas. Yeah, and I'm takes, sorry, I burnt it. Now it's pizza, and I put <laughs> I mean, cheese on top. Yeah, he puts cheese on top and, like, tries to melt it more. I'm like, now it's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, Chong it's is still, like, no, it's not. Still Keep a this burnt away tortilla. from him. <laughs> As they walk away from the house, Cheech tells Chong that he needs to get vitamin B12 and some bromos for the marijuana plants. Do you guys recall the last time someone tried to order a bromo for somebody else? A bromo? Um, that's going to be uh, Postman Always Rings Twice. That's correct. The Postman Always Rings Twice. Jack Nicholson orders a bromo for Christopher Lloyd in the opening scene. What's a scene. bromo again? It's kind of like, <laughs> like an um, antacid. Yeah, it's an antacid. It's like a... Alka-Seltzer? Like, yeah, it's an Alka-Seltzer drink, basically. Okay. It's, it is not, it's not milk of magnesia. No. Give me a bromo for my friend here. I'll take a small steak, two eggs on top, some fries, juice, and a side order of toast. Yeah, sure, right away. Chong tells Cheech to just pee on the plants because he read somewhere that it's good for them. I looked into it, and apparently urine isn't terrible for marijuana plants, but it has to be diluted with water because there's a lot of salts in human urine that could kill the plant. So you got to water it down. But fresh urine does have a lot of nitrogen, which is good for them. The Narcathon helicopter is still circling overhead. Looking up the N number on this helicopter, it was previously used in the movie Hooper and on the TV shows Wonder Woman and the A-Team. Chong tries to pitch a retirement home for hippies as a possible business to Cheech, since the hippies are aging and they need somewhere to chill while people look after them. Plus, it would be easy because they just smoke themselves to sleep all the time. We cut back to the helicopter's POV of the swimming pool in the backyard, but as the camera zooms in closer, we notice something weird about it. Suddenly, we're looking at the same pool shape from underneath, and we realize that the pool is just a decal printed on a canopy over a hydroponics lab. Chong tells Cheech that when he dies, he wants to be cremated twice, once by a professional and a second time in the form of his friends smoking joints full of his ashes. And I'm going to have all my friends, we'll have a party, and then everybody will smoke me. Oh, Mix it yeah. in with some good shit, you know? Yeah. Remind me not to be one of your friends when you die. Do you guys recall the last time we discussed someone's cremains being ingested? What? No, I don't. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Hmm. If it's helpful, someone said that they snorted some of their boyfriend's ashes because they wanted to be closer to them. That, that's not helpful. <laughs> I, I, I remember that line. <laughs> Only a couple episodes ago. I can't, I can't think of it. Polyester. Uh, the actor who played Bobo Belsinger passed away, and his girlfriend said that she snorted some of his ashes, or claimed to, to John Waters. As they walk up to Jimmy, the head chef at this lab, we rack focus to a lizard with wings in the foreground. I don't know what the story is on this lizard with wings. What? Well, well, the the marijuana yeah. is supposed to turn, turn people into lizards, right? And turn so anything into lizards. Turn anything into lizards. So the the he was blowing smoke out the window. But that's not this lizard. That no. wasn't this lizard. No, that lizard is still on his windowsill. Oh, we'll come back to it later. Yeah, but but we can just assume that other birds or animals right. have gotten. But in the there. wings here look very like. They're like kind of straight edged wings, like they kind of look like dragon wings almost in a way. Mm. They, I, I just don't know what this lizard used to be before it became a lizard. And also, the other birds that we see turn into lizards lose their wings. They lose all their mm -hmm. feathers. They just become lizards. So I don't know what's happening here. This whole scene under the pool is actually pretty annoying because James William Newport, the guy playing Jimmy, is not an actor by trade. He usually works in the art department. 
but the scene goes on for a while and he never really responds to anything Cheech is saying. Cheech asks for marijuana over and over and eventually the guy says yes, but when he says yes, it sounds like he's not even talking to Cheech. He's just talking about something else. Is this the blind guy that's just staring into right. the distance? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Please, man, come on. Ah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah? Yeah. Hey, all right. Chong walks out with a full trash bag full of buds and we cut to Sarge's office as a janitor is knocking on the door because he wants a taste of the pot that Sarge is smoking inside. Sarge licks his lips in a sudden flash. Sarge blows more smoke out the window, past the pigeon from before, but it looks dead now. It's lying on its back with its feet in the air. Yeah. The ice cream truck rolls up outside a gym. Inside, Chong trades a guy marijuana for shirts and a jar full of bull testicles. I don't know why they're here. (laughs) Cheech is caught staring at a woman's breasts while she exercises, and then her ass when she turns around. The woman he is ogling here is actually Chong's wife, comedian Shelby Chong. He lifts a barbell off a rack, but then drops it on his neck. But simultaneously, the woman he was staring at breaks a nail, and everyone's distracted by her scream and doesn't see Cheech struggling. Eventually, Chong comes to his rescue. Do you guys recall the last time a character dropped a barbell on his neck? Yeah, it was a happy birthday to me. That's correct. Cheech leans forward after he's saved and cracks his head on the bar and then falls back unconscious, and the scene is apparently over before it had really started. IMDb Trivia says that Carl Weathers appears in this scene, but it's for sure not Weathers, and he's not credited or listed as uncredited in the cast. Back in the fake pool lab, Cheech and Chong are looking for Jimmy and find an iguana with a joint in his mouth. It has Jimmy's glasses next to it, implying that Jimmy has transformed, but then Jimmy walks up to collect his glasses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the smoke coming out of the lizard's joint is animated, but it looks pretty decent, actually. Yeah, it does, actually. We cut back to Sarge's office. He has a terrarium with two halves. One side has rats, and the other side has lizards. One of the undercover cops from earlier, Detective Drooler, is pretending like something amazing is happening, but nothing is happening. Yeah, it's happening right now. Look, you see it? It's happening. Look, look, look. I have to imagine they told this actor they were going to animate something over the tank, but they didn't, so he just seems annoying and crazy. A lab scientist, Dr. Fu, explains what is happening in each side of the tank with complex technical talk. This smoke, no. This smoke, yes. Never mind that technical talk, Fu, huh? Uh, What he means is, anyone who smokes that stuff is going to turn into one of these lizards. Sarge hears a fly moving around the room and snatches it out of the air with a long lizard tongue. One of the cops begs for permission to bust Cheech and Chong, but Sarge says that he wants bugs, but then clarifies, Bugs? Come on. Uh, Bug off. Just bug off. Get out of here. Noodles, come on, move it. Let's go. Outside the office, Drooler puts in a call to his team, announcing that they have approval to arrest the suspects. He shouts to his partner, Detective Noodles, that they have to hit the road. After they leave his office, Sarge blasts more smoke out the window, and the dead pigeon has been replaced with an iguana covered in bird feathers. A pair of helicopters close in on the beach house, but they're distracted by three topless sunbathers. They try to photograph the girls instead of the house, and the whirlwind of their chopper blades is roughing up the pool decal tarp over the weed farm. The chopper cops just circle the house, complimenting the boobs for like six minutes of screen time. So much. Eventually, the tarp is starting to come apart, and Cheech and Chong climb a ladder, to tie the tarp back together with rope. Cheech grabs a rope from under the ladder, sending it crashing down on a bunch of electronics, which starts sparking wildly. Cheech is now at the top of the ladder, where the tarp is torn open, and when he sees chopper cops taking photos, he balances his belly on the top of the ladder and pretends to swim in the fake pool while they take pictures. The guy taking pictures is crowding the pilot's controls, and they nearly crash the helicopter. Cheech and Chong box up all the cash that Jimmy has stockpiled in the lab and run it out to the ice cream truck before the cops can land. We never see the cash in these boxes, so on my first pass, I assumed that they were taking a bunch of weed products. Yeah, that's what I assumed. They have some trouble getting the ice cream truck started, but eventually they escape. Then we get a shot of the choppers headed back to police headquarters and claiming over the radio that they have two suspects in custody. We cut to Sergeant Stadenko's office, where Detective Noodles is bashing something with a nightstick, and we can hear what sounds like Cheech screaming with each strike. But when we back up, we realize that it's just Detective Drooler yelling at him to stop smashing nuts on Stadenko's desk. 
The two suspects they have in custody are Jimmy the Weed Scientist and a large iguana. Both suspects are treated as though they are equally capable of testifying against Cheech and Chong. When Sarge enters, Drooler tells him that the only words he's gotten out of Jimmy are good, big, and buds, but he doesn't know what order they go in. Not that there's a bunch of orders for yeah, that to go in. Very few permutations for three things. I think six. <laughs> Sarge repeats the word big, and Drooler makes some leaps. Mr. Big. Ah, Mr. Big, Mr. Big. Noodles, it's Mr. Big. Mr. Big is good. Mr. Big is bud. Mr. Big is bud, bud good. Bud good. Mr. Big is bud good. They decide to put a tail on whoever Bud Good is. The detectives drag Jimmy out of the room, but Sarge insists that they leave the lizard behind. Good luck, Sarge, but I couldn't get a damn thing out of that guy. Come on, now, boy! Alone, Stadanko pets the lizard gently, and we can see that two of the fingers on his left hand are turning green, and the nails are morphing into claws. His other hand enters the frame with a joint, and the whole thing is transformed. He puts the joint to the lizard's lips, and we get a little animated exhale of smoke. This whole, like, because Stacy Keach is Sarge here. Yeah, I don't know why he did this movie. I, I don't either. Like, it's so much sillier than I ever imagined he yeah. would be. Like, it's, I mean, he play, he plays it dead serious. But They like, couldn't have taken more than a weekend to shoot <laughs> his yeah. stuff. But, like, having him turn into a lizard and have a lizard tongue and lizard fingers, it's just so silly. Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me of Brewster McCloud. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, just, like, his crazy kind of over-the-top character. <laughs> We cut to a Chinese restaurant called Hong Kong Genuine Chinese Dishes, with the ice cream truck parked along a red curb out front. Inside, Cheech is pitching a competitor for Disneyland called Vato Land, with Mexican-themed attractions. I can see in Vato Land you could have like, like the rides, it would be low rides, man. Get it? They're overloaded with cash, and Cheech is counting it at the table. Behind their waiter, a woman we will come to know as Sydney the Agent walks by with a group of five models. She thinks she recognizes Chong from somewhere, but she can't remember where. Cheech is pretending that Sydney is a girlfriend Chong is embarrassed to admit to, but he's adamant that he's never seen this woman. Moments later, she returns to the table and reveals that she has clearly mistaken him for some famous musician. She tells him that she handles musicians as well, like the girl group, the Hot Rollers, who she's here with now. She invites them over to introduce them to Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead, and right away the girls are whispering to each other that she is mistaken, and he is clearly not Jerry Garcia. Cheech kicks him under the table and wants him to go along with it, but Chong finally convinces her she is wrong. She takes a few plates off their table when she leaves, but then Cheech says that they're rich now, so who cares? Hey, gargoyle, more food! <laughs> this is probably the best joke so far, um, so I was a little disappointed to hear it repeated like... 30 seconds later. I, know, I laughed so hard at this one. Yeah. And I even came out of the room and I'm like, oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a little less funny the second time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the lady returns to apologize again and reminds him that she is an agent and that she happens to handle lookalikes. She hands him a business card and then asks him to wait at least 20 rings for her to pick up the phone because technically the number is a phone booth. The second time she leaves, she takes even more food with her and Cheech shouts to the gargoyle again. Suddenly... A heavily intoxicated couple enter through the door, literally leaning on each other for support. They are played by Paul Rubens and Evelyn Guerrero, both of whom appeared in our previous Cheech and Chong outing, Cheech and Chong's next movie. As they pass the table, it's Cheech's turn to be recognized, and the woman dives over the table to make out with Cheech. Paul Rubens sits next to Chong and again misrecognizes him for someone else, but it's not clear who he's talking about. Look at the guy from the hamburger train, right? Across the table, it turns out this girl actually knows Cheech, and they went to high school together. Her name is Donna, but it's unclear if this is supposed to be the same Donna that played his girlfriend in the previous film. Chong is creeped out enough by Rubens that he suggested they leave. A lady offers to sell them a picture to commemorate the meal, and Donna stands to unzip her shirt so her tattoo can be in the picture. Other restaurant guests cause an avalanche of people when they try to get a look at her boobs while she unzips her dress wider and wider. They try to get back to the meal, and Donna just passes out at the table. Cheech literally cannot find her and leaves the table looking for her, while Rubens invites Chong under the table for a hit of coke. Cheech returns and then joins them all under the table, when they reappear, they all have coke mustaches. Donna collapses again, so Cheech says he's going to take her home. He leaves Chong in charge of keeping their newfound fortune safe. 
Ruben's character starts ripping on the music of Bruce Springsteen here, which was an inside joke because Springsteen used to open for Cheech and Chong in the 70s, and Cheech's later film Born in East L.A. was a clear reference to Springsteen's Born in the USA, and he even sings a parody on the soundtrack. I was born in East L.A., man, I was born in East L.A. We cut away to Donna's truck rocking in a parking spot, as the camera pushes in, we realize they haven't started sex yet, that they're literally struggling with a zipper. Donna passes out a third time, just as Cheech is getting the zipper undone, and when he can't wake her, he turns to the audience for permission to rape this woman. Oi. He even takes votes from the theatrical audience. Hey, what would you do? Yeah, I bet. Well, let's put a vote to it, man. How many guys would do it? Let me see your hands. Alright, how many guys wouldn't do it? Cheech derisively <laughs> waves off the non-rapists in the audience and gets to work raping the unconscious woman. Yeah, that uh, does not age well. No, not at all. <laughs> Fortunately, police show up and find the truck rocking. The license plate to the car says Ludes, the one that's rocking back and forth. Chong pulls up behind the cops in the ice cream truck with the music playing and the cops spin around to unload their guns into the clown head over the car. Cheech leans up after hearing the sound and Donna pops up to lick his face and pull him back down to the bench seat. We cut forward a bit of time and the cops are getting a statement from Donna asking for her apartment number in case they need to reach her for a statement. She says she's in room 714 of a well-known local high-rise, but when we see it later, it's actually 716, so I don't know if she's trying to trick the police, but mm. she's only one room off. <laughs> Chong assures Cheech that they won't get in trouble with stuff in the car because it's a legal search and seizure. One of the cops is really excited to arrest these guys, but the other one reminds him that if they arrest these guys, they have to do paperwork and go to court. Yeah, but isn't that like your whole job? <laughs> That's like saying, I'm not going to take this next drive through order because then we'll have to accept money and provide food. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's why we're here. That's what our paycheck is in exchange for. Chong continues to assure Cheech that they won't be arrested. Yeah, we've got a whole truck full of dope, man. They're just probably going to come over and say, oh, you guys can just go, huh? Oh, you guys can just go. Hey, just a minute, man. Chong isn't satisfied with being free to go. He wants these guys to answer for shooting at his car, which is a legitimate grievance, but the joke of the scene is that these guys should just be happy that they weren't arrested for their victimless crimes. Well. The crimes that the cops didn't know about. Yeah. <laughs> the crimes that the police are here to arrest them for are victimless. For some reason, they push the guys into Donna's car, I guess because their car was disabled by gunfire. When they get to Donna's building, she takes both guys up to the room, intending to sleep with them both. Noodles and Drooler are parked in the building's parking lot, and Noodles watches Donna's window with binoculars. He laughs a lot at what he sees, but he won't tell Drooler what's going on up there. Not that he can see anything. It's just a yeah. It's just a window with a curtain in front of it. Donna and Cheech send Chong out for some ice, and Donna gets a call from her husband, William Animal Bailey, though he's credited as William Animal Bad for whatever reason, which reminded me of our most recent minisode, Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hype, which features a character named Bad William, played by Tony Cox, who also appears in this film. He's just been released from prison, and Cheech looks up from the bed at a framed wanted poster for Animal, and under his photo are the words, Known to Hate Mexicans. <laughs> his list of crimes on the poster reads, Sex Perversion, child molesting, rape, sodomy, incest, armed robbery, pandering and soliciting, crimes against nature, drunkenness in public, possession of drugs, vagrancy, assault with a deadly weapon, fraud, grand theft auto, perjury, grand theft motorcycle, indecent exposure, sale of drugs, violation of parole, and slander. Continued on other side. I just like that slander is the is the button on that. I do like that you've had to I've, I've had to watch you scroll through your notes here to get all of those out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As Donna speaks with him more on the phone, we realize that he wasn't released, that he broke out of prison, and that he's on his way here. Donna tells Animal not to bother coming here. I got a Mexican here that'll kick your ass. Chong starts smashing on the door, carrying the ice and doing a fake angry voice, so Cheech assumes this is Animal and goes to hide in the closet. But when he busts the closet rod down, he climbs out on the balcony totally naked. 
Noodles is laughing into the binoculars some more, but he still won't tell Drooler what's going on. When Cheech realizes that it was Chong at the door, he shouts for them to let him in, but instead, they start having sex by the door. For some reason, Cheech stays on the outside of the balcony railing, even though there's clearly enough room to stand on the balcony. Downstairs, Animal arrives. He's an intimidating-looking biker dude, and he walks up to a group of people in the apartment building's hot tub and pees into the water between them, but they're all too terrified to ask him to stop. Cheech jumps from the row of balconies to the top of the glass elevator going up and down the outside of the building. He tries to climb down off the elevator on the bottom floor, but Animal takes it back up to seven. When Animal knocks on the door, Chong thinks it's Cheech playing a joke and tells him over and over again that nobody's here. Eventually, Animal's patience runs out and he punches through the door. He tears the apartment apart looking for Mexicans. Chong tries to hide everywhere in the apartment, while Cheech continues riding the elevator and occasionally flashing its passengers. I wanted one of the people in this elevator to say, you make it go down. <laughs> well, because he's hanging over the side, like like as if he's trying to get out. So yeah. like he's smashing but he's, his, his full junk naked up body is right the up against window. the window. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, Cheech dives off the elevator into the pool. He returns to the room to get Chong, and they get dressed quickly to leave. On the way out, Chong reveals that he gave all their cash to Paul Rubin's character in exchange for a bad check. Apparently, they were driving around with $17 million cash. (laughs) Cheech is furious with Chong for messing up their chances of buying a private island and topless waitresses. Cheech says that he always fucks things up like this when he does coke. Hey, listen, there's a lot of smart dudes do coke, man. Yeah, like who? Like Sherlock Holmes does coke. And he isn't so stupid. Sherlock Holmes? Well, come on, Sherlock. Let's go find our money, man. God damn it. Give him all our money. I can't believe it. I just like that Chong is smart enough to know that Sherlock Holmes had a coke problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, rewatching 30 Rock, what I'm doing right now, it's like when Tracy Morgan, uh, his character just has, like, these moments of insight. <laughs> Where you're just like, what? Why, yeah. do you, why do you know that? As they enter the elevator, the cops who let them go earlier are coming out, but luckily they don't recognize them. Cheech and Chong apparently hitchhike to the address on the check, Casa del Wacos, on Ocean Avenue, and the car that picks them up is Noodles and Drooler in drag. What? Taxis are rare in Los Angeles, but they exist! I don't understand why this needed to happen. The Casa del Waco was based on a real Hollywood halfway home that a friend of Cheech's was sent to after an arrest for heroin possession. After dropping off Cheech and Chong, alone in the car, Drooler compliments Noodles on the disguise suggestion since it worked so well, and Noodles finds himself uncontrollably <laughs> attracted to Drooler in the curly blonde wig. Yeah, this was the only part that got a genuine chuckle from me. <laughs> because suddenly Tim Rosovich is like trying to make out with the other yeah. cop, and he's like, what are you doing? Stop, stop, no. And, and Rosovich doesn't say a word in this movie, no. does he? Yeah. No, I don't think he has a single line. <laughs> Drooler does his best to rebuff Noodles' advances. Cheech climbs over the fence around Casa del Wacos, but Chong just walks right through the open gate. They start walking through the trees up to the property when we cut to 12 hours later as they wake up in chairs on the property balcony. They're surrounded by patients of this mental hospital, but because the credits for the film are in alphabetical order, which as I've already explained, I despise, and the nuts of this nut house are numbered completely randomly. Like we skip from like two to seven, like it's just random. There's no way to determine who's playing who. It's very difficult for me to identify people here. The first person who sees them seems to be emulating a rooster, and he crows in their faces while he jerks his neck back and forth like a crazy chicken man. They're quickly surrounded, and another of the nuts here is Sandra Bernhardt, one of the few female nuts. They find Paul Rubens, who they're referring to for some reason as the hamburger dude, and they ask him for their money. He gives them back the bag, but it's completely empty now. As the disagreement gets louder, Cheech and Chong are dragged away to a padded cell by hospital staff. Cheech screams for rescue from his cell and straitjacket, but mostly because his balls itch and he can't reach them. He drags them across the floor of his cell. He can hear Chong in a neighboring cell, and suddenly Chong is able to walk right into his cell. But when he can't get Cheech untied, he leaves to find a key, and Cheech thinks too late to ask Chong to scratch his balls. We cut back to Sarge's office, and a janitor is asking Sarge if he has his keys to lock up. Stacy Keach is attached to the wall. 
His skin is entirely green now, and he has a lizard tail sticking out of the back of his jeans. The janitor can apparently see all of this, and apparently doesn't find it too strange. I'm locking up now. You got your keys? Hey, listen, I'll talk to you when you get off the wall, all right? In the foreground, there's a lamp hanging down over Stadenko's desk, and it has a tag on it. I could be wrong, but I think this is actually a tag from the prop house, implying that set deck neglected to remove it before filming. <laughs> the same tags are connected to most of the props in his office, which could conceivably be evidence tags, but this lamp is not evidence. It's powered and hanging from the ceiling. Chong returns to Chicha's cell, but with a real doctor this time. The doctor says he has the key in his pocket, but when we see the doctor's face, it's Dr. Timothy Leary, basically playing himself. He gives Cheech the key in the form of a dose of what looks like psilocybin powder dumped over his tongue. This is not the key. I want the key. That's the key to the universe. <laughs> he gives Chong a dose, and they both start to feel it very quickly. They have a shared hallucination of Michael Winslow, one of the nuts from the earlier crowd, playing Purple Haze on a stick on stage with just his incredible mouth noises. Purple Haze are in my brain! What's this Negro doing on this stage? I'm acting funny, but I don't know why! Excuse me while I kiss this fly! In front of him on stage are two Little People patients, and one of them is Tony Cox, the elf to Billy Bob Thornton's Bad Santa. We get a reverse angle of Cheech alone in the audience, still wrapped in a straitjacket. He can hear Paul Rubin's voice, but he can't seem to find him. Right this way, please. Dr. Leary delivers Cheech to Chong, who speaks in a bizarrely high voice as he walks Cheech down death row to his execution. A phone rings at the end of the hall, and it's the governor with good news, but not for Cheech apparently, and Chong ushers him through the doorway to the gallows. We see a flash of Cheech being hung, and then he wakes up back in the cell. The woman who ordered them confined has determined that these men are not patients, and she is setting them free with an apology and their money, which Paul Rubens seems to have agreed to return. I'm sorry I took the money! I'm sorry! But leaving the cell, he admits that he's not actually sorry, and he wants it back. I'm not sorry I took the money! <laughs> they can hear Detective Drooler outside calling for their surrender, but they sneak out through a tunnel in the cell. We cut right to Drooler, ridiculing his backseat passengers for thinking they could sneak out the way they were surrounded, but then we see that the passengers are Paul Rubens and the woman running the hospital. When we finally get a wide shot of the backseat, we can see that in the third row, Sarge is here in full lizard mode with green face paint. And the back of the car is open to accommodate Stacy Keach's six-foot lizard tail hanging out the back. We get a panel spin transition to a bearded Cheech sunbathing in what looks like some sort of tropical resort. But as the camera pulls away, we can see that they're actually in the green room backstage at some kind of exotic dance venue called Club Paradise. It turns out Chong managed to lose their money again but we don't even bother to explain how this time. Cheech and Chong are both rocking thongs and dance for customers who tuck money into their outfits. Cheech is pulled off stage and swarmed by women on the floor, and we freeze frame on Chong trying to pull him back on stage to roll credits. That's the end of our film. So I was doing some math. Yes. Uh, so a million dollars in $100 bills apparently weighs... 22 pounds so 17 million dollars yeah that's and that's too much yeah is that's what would be in the bag yeah it would be the weight of chong them carrying that around well no, more it, than that both of them probably the weight of both of them in this tiny it wasn't medical like bag. wet like in high risk right in that's his backpack right. <laughs> at least the money's not wet because they didn't use pcp they used lsd or psilocybin yeah, um, this movie, so far of the three Cheech and Chong movies, is the worst one. Um, yeah, you have I agree with Up and Smoke. I think is a is a decent film with a great story. It's still it's still a very light on story thing. Yeah, but next movie is fun because it has all these new people and it's very colorful and it's like got this inside movie stuff which I always liked as a kid. Um, but this movie, there's really not a lot it's going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't believe that it took five pages to outline this because 
what would you say? The, these guys are selling drugs. They almost get caught with it, so they put it in their truck and they accidentally give it to Pee Wee, and, and then he gives it back. And and for some reason, it turns people into lizards. Right, the drugs turn people into lizards. Right. But some people, and some people it doesn't. Like, Cheech and Chong are not lizards at the end of this movie, and they've been partaking in this stuff the whole time. Well, ha- did the, do they actually smoke any weed in this are movie? Are they following rule number one? Yeah. Maybe they are. I, I don't think that they get they, high. They do a whole bunch sp- of stuff, but I don't think they do any of their own weed. Wow. That's impressive for them. Because in the previous two movies, they just smoke everything they could touch. Because um, they're growing their own crop, but they seem to only sell the stuff they steal from uh crazy jimmy yeah i don't remember seeing them smoke a lot of it in this movie actually yeah that's interesting so maybe that checks out maybe maybe this movie is completely logical in terms of the (laughs) physics completely logical (laughs) but obviously i love cheech i love chong i think they're fun characters i just i feel like they rushed this movie out the door yeah that they didn't really think a lot about what the plot would be the fact that this was delayed and it still came out less than a year from their last yeah. movie makes me think that they were just trying to get the next thing in. I mean, they they can't help themselves, though, in terms of being charismatic and entertaining just right. for being themselves. Yeah, because yeah. they're fun. They're fun to listen yeah. to. Like, Chong's voice is, like, soothing. <laughs> But it's also just like, it just makes me happy to hear him and and Chong like say. Yeah, Cheech is just plain amusing to me, like just in general. So like, like I I like them enough that even with the lack of story and the logic flaws, this is still a decent movie. (laughs) It's not enough to completely overcome the, should I rape this lady? Ah, fuck you guys. I'm going to rape this lady. Um, That part is still really uncomfortable. And I feel like even Cheech Marin would be like, yeah, I'd be okay if we cut that scene a little earlier. (laughs) Uh, Like as soon as she passes out, we just cut to the next scene. That's where that scene should have ended. But yeah, there's, there's not much here to, to work a film around. I don't, I don't hate it, but it's still a thumbs down for me because as a Cheech and Chong movie goes, I, I love Up in Smoke and I really like, I, I actually wonder if I don't like next movie the most of these three um, because next movie just has some really great stuff in it that even Up in Smoke doesn't have. I rewatched Up in Smoke today because I wanted to see the full Stadenko arc um and there's not much to him he, he's very uh, straight laced square type character mm-hmm. in that movie and at the very end they get high because cheech and chong are driving a truck made out of weed or a step van made out of weed and they he gets high for the first time at the end of that movie so the implication being here that in the aftermath of getting high for the first time he's just a complete stoner who does mm-hmm. everything wrong in terms of like the vice squad mm-hmm. but um I can't believe they, they talked Stacey Keach into playing this character here. Unless he enjoyed playing the character last time and they were like, we can get you in and out in a week. Because it can't have taken that long, right? No, like, I mean, he most of his scenes are just in that office. Right. And The only scene he's not in the office is the one where he's hanging out of the car. Yeah, and how much of them that was actually him. Right, yeah. For the wide shots. Even for the, like the the straightforward like on his face shots, they could have had someone else with a painted face. But mm. I I think it is Stacy Keach. I'm just I'm impressed that he went through with this role. Yeah, because there's there's not much here for him. Yeah, my my experience with Stacy Keach has always been from Titus, and and I always think that that is his real persona. I, I definitely have felt that way. I, I and I know I'd seen him in stuff before. But he's such a hard ass in that yeah. show yeah. that he's just terrifying. And I always think of him as like, a, like I'm not going to fuck with this guy. So I yeah. wouldn't ask him to be like, can we paint your face green? I would just be like, no, Stacey Keach, whatever you want to do, just do it in this scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's great. And Pee Wee's a little weird in this movie. I feel like they actually, this is a situation like Bill Murray and Caddyshack where they didn't give him enough material to work from so they're just like you just be funny and that's not fair to do to an actor because i feel like Cheech is just like i'm just gonna be a weird cokehead type i felt like peewee felt like he was legitimately on drugs so i'm I'm sure he was (laughs) and i also wouldn't doubt that timothy leary actually gave mushrooms to Cheech (laughs) in that scene like i feel like if i were cheech and chong and i had 
Timothy Leary on set, I would be like, you obviously have psilocybin in your car. Bring it in here. Give it to both of us. We're in a padded room. What's the worst that could happen? We'll just hang out in here until it's done. Yeah. And then I'll have done that with Timothy Leary, and I can die happy. But uh, I, f- I still feel like sometimes that these actors are getting shortchanged by the, by the absence of script. Like, mm-hmm. I get that they're all talented improv performers but at a certain point it's also on you as the screenwriter like if you want to get paid as a screenwriter you need to bring something to the table not a lot of structure here yeah but yeah i i still think it's a thumbs down for me do you guys know where you have it letterboxed wise um i mean it's a it's a tough one for me because i feel like because it's so light-hearted and um fairly inoffensive all around like this is one that i would put on more likely than a lot of movies that i have on my list so i think i have it higher than it probably deserves okay (laughs) i have it at 34 out of 73 okay that's not far off from where i have it richard uh it's a thumbs down by the way yeah it's gonna be lower i assume yeah it's gonna be way lower um this movie didn't do anything for me um I, i mean if there's a joke, like, but a lot of the scenes just don't, there is just stuff happening. And I, I don't feel any of the things that are happening are funny. Right. Uh, like, you know, like him hanging off the elevator stuff. That's funny. Like, but it doesn't go anywhere. Right. And, it, and you it, have 12 minutes of the same joke. Yeah. Where it's just like, this needs to change in some way at some point, but it mm-hmm. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have it at number 58 which puts it below Savage Harvest, but above The Burning. Okay. Oh, I didn't say what mine was around. So uh, 34 puts it below The Burning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And above Funhouse. Oh, okay. Um, did you say thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, God, I feel so neutral about this movie. I feel really hard to <laughs> yeah. like, give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I I guess it's a thumbs down because i wouldn't tell anybody to go out of their way to watch this yeah, movie yeah. but i don't feel particularly bad about it okay um like i said mine is still a thumbs down i have it in 37 out of 73 which puts it just under the legend of the lone ranger but above bloody birthday our writer director was tommy chong this was his third acting gig after up and smoke and next movie he was an uncredited director on up and smoke but he actually got the credit for next movie last season he later shows up in Yellowbeard, after hours fern gully and a long recurring role as leo on that 70s show he was originally supposed to voice the hyena shenzi in lion king alongside cheech as bonsai but he was replaced by Whoopi goldberg when disney could not reach him to make the offer <laughs> Isn't that a bummer? Yeah. It's like like Bill Murray who's like, I don't have a phone. (laughs) Yeah. And he really wanted to play the detective character in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And when he found out that they offered it to him first, but they didn't have any way to reach him. Yeah. He like had a whole conniption fit. Like he was furious about it. Which Um, which in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? He was going to be Valiant. Yeah. He was going to be the Bob Hoskins character. Wow. But they couldn't reach him. And when he found that out, he was so angry because he actually legitimately enjoyed the movie. But there was no way to reach him. And the same way that here that Cheech and Chong at that point had kind of fallen apart. They they split up in 85 from creative differences. Mm-hmm. And they didn't work together for a while. And so even Cheech didn't have like a proper number to call him at. Sure. To be like, hey, do you want to be in this Disney thing with me? Chong is also the father of actress Ray Don Chong from Quest for Fire and Commando. And the adoptive father of Marcus Chong, who we saw previously in Next Movie last year. And also more recently, Blood Beach but he's perhaps best known as Tank from The Matrix. He actually played in a band in the 60s and 70s. They scored one hit single called Does Your Mama Know About Me? They were originally an all-black group called Little Daddy and the Bachelors until they met Chong, who joined up and told them accurately that the name was terrible suggesting in its place a much worse name four n-words and a c-word but with the full slurs in the name jesus they actually performed build this way for multiple shows but it didn't go over well and they changed their name again to bobby taylor and the vancouvers but you can find (laughs) them online performing as that with chong as the lead guitar the other writer obviously was cheech marin 
He's a co-writer on all the Cheech and Chong stuff, but he's also in Born in East L.A., Tin Cup, Machete, From Dusk Till Dawn. He also had a long-running role on Nash Bridges. He went to high school with my mom. My grandmother (laughs) taught him how to type on a computer, and we saw him at the Extract premiere as a guest of Clifton Collins Jr. My dad worked with his dad. Was that Cheech or Chong? Cheech. Oh, okay. Cheech's dad. I was thought a, you had a Chong connection. No, no, no. Che- Cheech's dad was a was a cop. Oh, okay. Um, and so <laughs> my dad worked with him. Uh, that's my that's my Cheech connection. Yeah. Also, I I didn't hear, but I don't think you mentioned his appearance on Lost. Cheech's appearance? Yeah. I don't remember Cheech's appearance. Was on he I haven't seen bear? any of Lost. But <laughs> I didn't even notice that on his IMDb. Yeah, yeah. He plays uh uh Jorge Garcia's uh, dad. Oh, of course, Jorge Garcia. Is that the guy from that Weezer album? Uh, the, his character on, on Lost was Hurley. Yeah. That okay, that's the guy. The curly-haired guy? Yeah. 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 I think he got, like, Weezer literally just pulled up a Google photo of him and then made it their album cover for an <laughs> album called Hurley. Cinematographer here was Charles Corral. Richard, were you excited to see Charles Corral's name? Uh, Was I? He directed 19 MacGyver episodes and oh. also the TV movie Trail to Doomsday. He also directed 40-some Melrose Places. He DP'd Animal House, The Search for Spock, and Revenge of the Nerds 2. Editor Thomas K. Avildsen. He was previously assistant editor on The Deer Hunter, and he also cut Next Movie, This, and The Corsican Brothers. That was it. Uh, I couldn't find a connection, but I'm sure this guy's related to John G. Avildsen somehow. Couldn't find it anywhere. The other editor, Tony Lombardo, he cut Health, which we covered in a minisode earlier this season, and later Uncle Buck, My Cousin Vinny, and Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde. Sandra Bernhardt played Girl Nut. This was her first live-action role. She would follow it up the following year as Masha in Scorsese's King of Comedy. She's also Minerva Mayflower in Hudson Hawk. That's right. She voices Cassandra on Disney's Hercules series, and she had a recurring role on The L Word. Do you guys recall the last time we saw Sandra Bernhardt in something? Not saw. Heard Sandra Bernhardt in something? Uh, no. Um, no. She was the dubbing voice for one of the characters in Shogun Assassin last year. Uh, oh. Shelby Chong played the bodybuilder that Cheech was ogling. She is the wife of Tommy Chong and appears in most of his films. She was also beautiful in Next Movie last season. Tony Cox played quote-unquote midget nut we just had him as bad william in our minisode review of dr heckle and mr hype he's back as the desk clerk in smoky bites the dust and hotel rainbow guest in under the rainbow later this year in 1982 he shows up in another jekyll and hyde called jekyll and hyde together again he's an ewok in return of the jedi and the ewok tv movies he plays a dink in Spaceballs. he's the preacher in beetlejuice who marries beetlejuice to lydia and he's also a Vonkar warrior in Willow. Apparently, he plays Station, or part of Station, uncredited in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He's in Leprechaun 2, but he's probably best known for his parts in Bad Santa as Billy Bob Thornton's elf, or as the biological father of Jim Carrey's kids in Me, Myself, and Irene. James William Newport played Grow Room Weirdo slash Weird Jimmy. He was a set designer roped into playing this character, but he has also worked in the art department on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which is a great surrealist nightmare of a film. There's a lot of art department work to do there. There, there are so many amazing set pieces. Yeah, all the stuff movie. in hell is incredible, and this guy did a great job if he worked in the art department on that movie. Mickey Fox played Nut Number Eighteen. We also just had her in Doctor Heckle, though I did not see her anywhere in this film. She was the lady who ran the seaside sandwich shop in Blood Beach. And she's back this season for Smokey Bites the Dust and later for Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. Evelyn Guerrero played Donna the Panties Gal. She got her start as an animator for Hanna-Barbera Studios. She was very grateful to Cheech and Chong for casting her in their films because previously she was always given dramatic downtrodden roles. And these were the first roles she got with laughs. Her aunt, comedian Sally Marr, also appears in the film as one of the nuts at Casa del Wacos. She's back in 1982 for their next film, Things Are Tough All Over. She later shows up as a young female ensign in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Later, 
in Alligator 2, The Mutation, and Louisa in Blood In, Blood Out. Peter Jason played Detective Drooler. He starred in the Baltimore Bullet last year. He was also one of the Pinkertons in The Long Riders. He's in 48 Hours, They Live, Mortal Kombat, and Escape from L.A., and on Deadwood, he played Con Stapleton. Stacy Keach played the Sarge Stadenko, reprising the role of Sergeant Stadenko from Cheech and Chong's first film, Up in Smoke. Chong has said that the character was named after a real Vancouver cop from his early life. We saw Keach last year in the Ninth Configuration and The Long Riders, and he's back later this season for Road Games. Suzanne Kent played Sydney the Agent. She played Dinner Doll Myrtle in the Gong Show movie last season. She was also Miss Renee on Pee-wee's Playhouse, which is the same voice she's doing in this film. Danny Kwan played Lab Technician. He shows up as a guard in Big Trouble in Little China in 86. Timothy Leary played himself, basically. He's a clinical psychologist, famous for his studies with LSD and psilocybin mushrooms before they were made illegal. Nixon once described him as the most dangerous man in America. He also shows up as a TV evangelist in Wes Craven's Shocker. Shocker's great, by the way, if you haven't seen it. I still haven't seen it. Ricky Marin plays Blonde in Car. I think those are the girls that pulled up beside them at the beginning of the film. She's the wife of Cheech, who we saw previously as Commie Lady in Loose Shoes and Gloria in Next Movie last season. Sally Marr plays Nut Number 5. She's a veteran stand-up comic and the mother of Lenny Bruce, a favorite performer of Cheech and Chong's. As I mentioned before, she's also the aunt of Donna actress Evelyn Guerrero. Michael Masters played Willard Animal Bad, although I'm pretty sure his wanted poster says William Animal Bailey. He was Ralph in The Man with Bogart's Face last season. David McCarran played the Chicken Man at Casa del Waco. That's the guy who they wake up to who's crowing in their faces. He was Harry Hotcash, the gambler, in Popeye last season. But more importantly, he's the voice of Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1 and 2. Linnea Quigley played Blondie Group number 2. She's a scream queen who showed up earlier this season in Graduation Day as Dolores and later in Silent Night, Deadly Night, The Return of the Living Dead, and Savage Streets. Paul Rubens played Howie Hamburger Dude. He's Pee Wee Herman a character he debuted in Next Movie last season. He's also the voice of Max in Flight of the Navigator, which is apparently getting a Disney Plus reboot soon. Rubens is also Penguin's dad in Batman Returns and the Spleen in The Mystery Men. Yeah. Tim Rosovich played Detective Noodles. He was Mike Desmond and the political prisoner in two episodes of MacGyver. We saw him last season in The Ninth Configuration and The Long Riders, uh, both of which featured Stacey Keach also. His final acting credit reunited him with Stacy Keach for an episode of Mike Hammer Private Eye. Sab Shimono played Oriental Busboy at Hong Kong Restaurant. He plays Lord Norinaga, the secondary villain of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. He also voiced Uncle on the animated series The Jackie Chan Adventures. But most importantly, he is the voice of Mr. Sparkle. Oh! From The Simpsons. Who's Mr. Sparkle? That Japanese logo character that homer was mistaken for oh i remember that now yeah mr sparkle uno yo besto washu boring that didn't explain anything michael winslow played superman nut he's known as the man of 10,000 sound effects and he's famous for his ability to recreate sounds with his mouth, a skill he put to use last year in Cheech and Chong's next movie, and more famously later in the Police Academy movies. Jerry Jewell played a mental patient at the hospital. She also played Jewell on Deadwood, who is the first television actor with cerebral palsy, the woman who's always cleaning up <gasps> oh, the yeah, yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Isn't yeah. that great? She was in yeah, this movie. Yeah, like, uh, you know, yeah. made. Those are all the credits I had for this one. You got anything else, Richard? No, no. Although I was looking up uh, Jewel, and uh, she was on that short-lived series, uh, Alcatraz. I don't even know the show Alcatraz. What's that I, about? I remember there was an Alcatraz show. Yeah, it's the plot. The plot was uh, the prisoners and guards from Alcatraz disappear, and they start popping up present day. And there's like a secret, like. Uh, time-proof prison that they're trying to capture recapture these criminals and put them back in huh um it's interesting it had it had lost uh connections sure like like in terms of the creative team yeah 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 
but it had like Sam Neill, uh, and uh, yeah. yeah that sounds really interesting. It's weird that it failed so quickly that I wouldn't have even heard of it. I think that's everything for Nice Dreams. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord. Join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future at VintageVideoPodcast.com slash Discord. And if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Final Exam, which IMDb describes like so. A psycho killer shows up on a psycho killer shows up on college campus to slash up pretty co-eds and dumb jocks. <laughs> that's what it says Can't on wait. IMDb. You know that's my bread and butter. We leave you now with a trailer for final exam. At Lanier College, they have the finest security, the best teacher-student relations. No fraternity hazing. Strictly enforced curfews. Who's that? And a killer. He's come back. Final exam. When are you going to realize that the whole world isn't made of psychopaths? There's a murderer around campus killing people. Some may pass the test. Lisa! God help. Rest. Sam, he's come back.